You're listening to The Deadly Dose, hosted by Harini Bott and Megan Gesner. Hi, Poison Pals. Welcome back to another episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, let's talk Oscars. <laughs> let's get right into it. Yes, I, I did not watch the full Oscars. I don't know if you did, Megan, but I watched like the important bits and pieces. But Megan texted me and she was like, is Malaysia in full celebration for Michelle Yao's outstanding achievement for her first Oscar. And I was like, dude, Mm -hmm. that makes so much more sense because I had honestly been seeing her image everywhere. Like I saw her face in a car mechanic shop, just like for me, like looking out the window, driving by. And I was like, what (laughs) did I just see Michelle Yeoh's face in like a car mechanic shop? And there is, I think one of the most famous hotels, if not like the nicest hotel on the island it's called the eastern oriental and they have like this wall of fame of all like the famous people who've come there or stayed there and michelle yo is on the wall and i was like oh that makes sense Mm -hmm. because she is malaysian (laughs) yes yes i i'm the same as you did i watch the oscars no i did not if you did that's fine like i don't yeah but i i didn't i forget what what i was even doing that night Mm -hmm. But I definitely went to bed that night with my phone in hands and watched all the key yeah. speeches. So yeah, watching like Kihei Kwan's mm-hmm. speech, oh, Frazier's yeah, speech. so good. Uh, Michelle Yeoh's speech. I think a lot of people probably don't know that she's Malay because she's her whole uh, acting career started with Hong Kong cinema. Mm. She mm-hmm. is Chinese Malay, but she was born in Malaysia yes. to Chinese descendant parents. Yes. And I think that Malaysia, unfortunately, just doesn't have a very large film or they have a film industry, but it's it's just not funded very well mm-hmm. or it's not as it doesn't have as much production money. So she ended up finding her her roles out in Hong Kong, which has a much larger film scene, obviously. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who are familiar with her early work from Hong Kong cinema, and I think that's why they associate her as like, oh, she maybe she's Cantonese right, or maybe right. she's from Hong Kong or she's Chinese. And I'm like, nope. She is fully Malay. Malay. Yeah. But I think um, another part of it is that she's such an international woman mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's lived in Malaysia for quite some time. I think she's lived in Europe for longer. Yeah. So that's why I also forgot because I'm like, oh, she's just like, she's Miss, she's Miss Worldwide, you know? <laughs> Miss um, <a> Worldwide. <laughs> but, <laughs> but huge, huge props to her. Yeah. First Asian to win Best Actress. Mm-hmm. First Malaysian to win any Oscar. So cool. That's huge, big, big pride for the entire country for her to win. I mean, that's it's so. I mean, I feel like this was a big Oscars for Asia. There was just there was a mm-hmm. lot of representation, a lot of wins and awards for Asia as a as a whole. So I thought that was really really yeah. amazing. This is this this can be cut out, but I was going to say what I what didn't send in my text was that Michelle Yeoh mm-hmm. is married to the former like Formula One Ferrari team principal. Yep. And he's now like the president of FIA. I was like, God damn, yes, that's why she lives in yes. Europe. I, when I sent you the TikToks about her and her like Malaysia and stuff, yeah. I almost sent you like, oh, and here's a bonus. Yeah. Like, she's married to the F1 um, president or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was like, ah, she'll find that out. <laughs> so it's like she's she's really your girl. She day. is. She'd really be like, she's. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, am I going to fall in her footsteps? 
yeah, start following Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. Unless they become an F1 driver or something. That'd be nice. <laughs> On to the story. All right. So today we're just going to do a little lesson in mycology. Mm. I talked briefly about uh, funguses two or three episodes. I think two episodes, two episodes ago. ago. When I talked about The Last of Us and fungi and what's going on in the world and all that when it comes to fungi and our concerns with public health. Yep. But initially, when I did that episode, I I wanted to actually just talk about the po- most poisonous oh, mushroom yeah. in the world. And so we're going to do that today. Fun. Because we actually have never covered mushrooms despite having mushroom imagery <laughs> on Yay. our feet or on our pins. I know. We're it's finally going to honor honor mushrooms there we go so today i am going to give a little mycology lesson on death cats lovely yeah i wish i said that in more of a death metal voice because i did just see my first death metal show that's right death cats (laughs) there we go (laughs) that was so good All right, death cap mushroom. Strong, very strong. Uh, Their science, yes. (laughs) Their scientific name is Amanita phalloides. I know that I struggle with the word phalloides, but I think that is. Yeah, I think that's how Google told me to pronounce it. I believe so. so. Go with that. Thank you, thank you. So the death cap mushroom is the most poisonous mushroom in the world. It is the number one cause of mushroom poisonings worldwide. And are responsible for 90% of the world's mushroom-related fatalities. 90%? So it's, yes. It is called death cap for a reason. <laughs> it is the true poisoner. when it, It's the king of the mushrooms when it comes to poison. Yes. Or queen. Whatever you want to call it. King, queen. I don't care. Death caps are native to Europe. They occupy a wide swath of the European landscape, mm. ranging all the way from the Atlantic Ocean to the Baltic Sea, all the way south to the Mediterranean. In the last century and a half or so, this lethal mushroom has made its way around the world, establishing itself as a threat in parts of Australia, South America, Asia, and both coasts of the United States, most notably California. That's right. Death caps. Yep. And death caps absolutely love California. (laughs) And I don't blame them. California is great. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Death caps, they range in color from greenish yellows to brown, tan, and occasionally all white, mm. um, but though that is a little bit more rare. Their caps are a moderate size, ranging from 1.5 to 6 inches in diameter. As they age, their caps become flat or convex. They also, as they age, start as a very nice, floral, aromatic, and then um, they start to smell putrid, apparently, as they, like grow old and become convex they just start to smell icky a skirt or ring can be found on the stipe also that's the word for a mushroom stalk Mm -hmm. stipe right below the cap the stipe is a white or yellowish color and can grow up to seven inches long underneath the soil you'll find that the stipe sits in a cup or a bulb and that bulb is where the juvenile death cap like other mushrooms Mm -hmm will blossom it breaks through its veil and the bulb remains as the stipe grows and the cap flowers the gills in the meat of the mushroom are white death caps look similar to other species of mushrooms that are non-poisonous such as caesar's mushrooms and straw mushrooms in northern california where they are most prolific even though they're non-native to california Mm -hmm. they're most prolific here they are often confused for cocora 
and paddy straws. Something that I found very interesting in my research is because they get mistaken for paddy straws, which are a mushroom that's very popular in East Asian cuisine, Mm -hmm. a lot of the poisonings in California are of people of Asian descent Mm. because they think that they're finding paddy straws, but instead they're consuming death caps. Oh my God. So I thought that was very interesting. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say, although you may not have anecdotes, it's not really an anecdote, but I remember looking it up when I was like very interested in mushrooms and like going on a mushroom hunting, Mm -hmm. you know, like they do like the little, there's like this thing in San Francisco where they do like, it's called, it's like um, natural medicine course or something like that, where they like take you through like walks around Golden Gate Park and they just like show you like different ferns and plants and like what they're used for medicinally. And I wanted to do this on my own and search for mushrooms, (laughs) not, not to like eat, but just to look. Just to see, just to see, just to peek and see where are you, right? <laughs> see if you could find them, see if you could identify them. Correct, yeah. and that's when I learned that the most amount of death caps are found in Golden Gate Park, or not the most, but like a lot of it mm. is in Golden Gate Park, and to be very wary of it, and like don't just pick mushrooms and don't yeah. put them in your mouth, right? Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, I've not, so I've not found I, one though. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that you can find most of them in Golden Gate Park, mm-hmm. but. Now that I know about death caps, I probably know why. There are a lot of oaks in Golden Gate yes. Park. Yeah. So let's get to that. Okay. So let's talk about its relationship with oak trees and just mm, trees in general. Yeah. So how did the death caps become an invasive species across the globe? The generic answer is, unsurprisingly, human intervention caused that, right? But the longer answer, this is where the trees are going to come into play. Death caps are mycorrhizal fungi. That's M-Y-C- O-R-R-H-I-Z-A-L, which means that they create a symbiotic relationship with vascular plants, in particular trees. Yeah. They hitch themselves onto tree roots and they absorb some of the sugar that the tree produces (laughs) via photosynthesis. In exchange, the death caps provides the tree with water and hard to get nutrients such as phosphorus. Mm -hmm. This is, of course, in contrast, this is just like little mushroom education. In contrast to saprobic fungi, which are decomposers, and Mm. parasitic fungi like cordyceps. So those are the three types of fungi or like how fungi feed, essentially. Because of its symbiotic relationship to popular tree species such as oaks, chestnuts, and pines, Mm. or just conifers in general, Mm -hmm. that's the pine side, which were all highly sought after at the turn of the 20th century, death caps were inadvertently shipped off to different parts of the world as stowaways. Ah. So because people wanted, you know, these types of trees as... Uh, maybe ornamental in um, a new housing development or something, yeah. or even as as hardwood or, you know, like to, to use for building furniture or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's how death caps started to get imported unknowingly into <laughs> different, into different countries. That's so, fa- that's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So they just came, they just came with the trees. <laughs> death caps started appearing along the East coast of North America as we imported chestnut trees mm. to the region. So that's specific to east the East Coast. Got it. On the West Coast, it is believed that death caps were introduced to California in the 1930s. Mm, so late. very recent. Yeah. yeah, very recent. Along with the importation of ornamental trees, most likely the cork oak. 
Mm. The reason why death caps thrive so much in California is because the central and northern geography of the Golden State is lush with all types of oak trees, and they love it. Yeah, There is evidence that death caps are actually capable of adapting to the native tree species that they are introduced to, making them highly successful in foreign environments. Mm. According to an article in Science by Catherine Offord, another fascinating characteristic that scientists have observed of California death caps specifically is that they are able to fertilize themselves, mm. which is, quote, an unusual sort of sexual reproduction in mushrooms that's rarely been observed outside the lab, end quote. This is called unisexual reproduction. And typically, at least death caps, I would even say it kind of seemed implied like most mushroom species, mm-hmm. they have another mushroom is needed to populate, to repopulate, oh, okay. or to, you know, produce spores, mm-hmm. all that. They need they need a partner. Yeah. But somehow, some way, death caps in California have learned to unisexually reproduce. So they're fertilizing themselves. Is this just death caps in California or death caps everywhere? Just death caps in California. What? Isn't that weird? That is weird. Yeah. At least that's what I read. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm only bringing that up because I talked about how they're so prolific in California. Right. Scientists speculate that this might be reason or explanation for why they're so successful in California because they're just fertilizing themselves. But it's almost kind of like an oxymoron because I also did read that ultimately unisexual reproduction is not good for the gene pool, Mm, right? They're just fertilizing themselves over and over. They need diversity in the gene pool to be strong, right? right? So maybe it's something where they're going to be explosive, you know, since their introduction, but in the next two decades, they start to die off. Yeah. Who knows? That's interesting. Who knows? Okay. So what makes death caps poisonous? Mm. Several species of mushrooms in the genus Amanita are known for carrying a special class of toxins called amatoxins. Mm-hmm. The most potent amatoxin present in these mushrooms, including the death cap, is a bicyclic octopeptide called alpha amanitin. Mm. Alpha amanitin this is the the big one. We're only going to talk about this one. I know there's other toxins, but we're just only going to focus on alpha-amanitin. Alpha-amanitin targets RNA polymerase enzymes, mm. in particular, RNA polymerase 2. So here's a super hyper-summarized molecular biology <laughs> lesson. RNA polymerase 2 is a protein complex that, can, that transcribes DNA into strands of messenger RNA, small nuclear RNA, and microRNA. In turn, those strands of RNA convey genetic information that direct protein synthesis and ultimately continues the cycle of RNA synthesis. Mm -hmm. You cannot have cells or like successful cell structures or cell functioning without protein synthesis. Alpha-amanitin binds to the bridge helix of the RNA polymerase 2 enzyme, hindering its mobility to translocate onto the DNA backbone. So I thought that was really interesting because some most often when we see toxins mm-hmm. and how they interact with our cells, it's usually it binds to a certain receptor site or it blocks something or whatever, yeah. right? Like it's a little, it seems a little bit more involved. Right. But this toxin literally just sets itself onto part of the RNA sh- polymerase structure and just like slows it down. That's all it does. <laughs> it slows doesn't it do down. Anything. It doesn't block it. 
No, it does. It doesn't block it. Mm. It inhibits it, quote unquote, inhibits it by just like immobilizing that bridge helix. Interesting. And I read that the bridge helix in the RNA polymerase structure mm-hmm. has evolved to be flexible so that it can like make its way over to the DNA backbone and then do the transcription. Hmm. That's what I like to picture. I like to picture it as like a fluttering right. thing. Right, right. <laughs> but this this toxin just sits on that bridge helix and like stiffens it or weighs it down. And that slows down its movement to go get to the DNA strand and transcribe. So I almost think of it as like you're trying to catch the bus. You're the RNA yeah. polymerist you're trying to catch the bus. But suddenly a 20 pound weighted blanket just yeah. falls on top like, of you. Oh. <laughs> and now you can't see. That's what I see it you as. You can't see. You're like, oh. Yeah, now you can't see. Yeah. Now you can't catch the bus. Yeah. All that. So I hope that's like a good image. Perfect. So if we zoomed out, yeah. when ingested – the amatoxin is eventually, you know, it's taken up by the liver. The liver does its job. It mm-hmm. takes it up where the toxin then binds to the RNA polymerase 2 in your liver cells specifically. Okay. This causing, you know, the protein synthesis to slow down in your liver cells, which leads to the deterioration of our liver cell wall. So our cell walls are breaking down Shoot. and that leads to cytolysis of the entire cell, oh. a.k.a. it bursts. Our cells burst. Yeah. And that's because we no longer have a cell wall or a good cell structure because there's no proteins synthesis and there's an osmotic imbalance and a weakened cell structure. That's scary. So our cells just start to die. Yeah. Yeah. Mushrooms outside of the genus Amanita that also contain alpha amanitin Gallerina marginata, Ooh, which I think that's... is such a beautiful name. I feel like it's like an like an Italian Dude. lady. Gallerina marginata. That sounds like Lady Gaga's real name, Stephanie yes, Germanata. Yes. <laughs> it does. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Here's here's what's funny. Its common name is is funeral bell, deadly skullcap, autumn skullcap, or deadly gallerina. Deadly so those gallerina. Are also badass common names. Wow. See, <laughs> when we're talking about heavy metal, that is that is like some death metal I, stuff yes. over there. Okay. So, yeah, it's such a beautiful name. And then its common names are like hardcore. <laughs> All right. And then the other <laughs> the other mushroom that also has alpha amanitin outside of the Amanita genus are Conocybe filaris, hmm. which unfortunately doesn't have any cool common names. It just has another scientific name, which is Foliotina rugosa. So that one's boring. So. Do you know if these two mushrooms are in California as well? Ooh, I do not know. I don't know the answer. The only reason I say this is because I feel like I've definitely seen at least our Stephanie Germanata lady. <laughs> the gallerina? Yeah. It's possible. So death caps aren't just deadly because of the toxins they carry. What adds to their lethality is the time it takes for a victim to realize they've accidentally ingested the poisonous mushroom. This is from an article in NPR by Gabriela Quiros about death caps in California. Mm -hmm. Quote, the trouble is people feel fine for six to 12 hours after they've eaten death caps, says Dr. Kent Olson, the co-medical director of the San Francisco Division of the California Poison Control System. But during that time, a toxin in the mushroom is quietly injuring their liver cells. Patients then develop severe abdominal pain, diarrhea, and vomiting. They can become very rapidly dehydrated from fluid losses, Mm -hmm. says Olson. Dehydration can cause kidney failure, which compounds the damage to the liver. For the most severe cases, the only way to save a patient is a liver transplant, says Olson. So I thought that was really interesting. We have obviously talked about poisons or natural toxins that do sell damage, have done uh, protein damage. But I've never seen something about a transplant. Yeah. 
I can't recall anything about actually having an organ transplant. So yeah. I thought that was like, dude, that's hardcore. That is too. hardcore. <laughs> like that's what I was thinking too. I was like, yeah, yeah. you need a liver transplant because I'm trying to remember. I do. Unless you're going to get to it, is there an antidote for mm-hmm. poisonings? I I will okay. get to it. Um, the short answer is there is no set antidote. Okay. The solution to an, a severe poisoning is actually to get a transplant, which I think is nuts. Also, because getting a transplant is not an easy no. thing. Like, you have to be on a donor list. You have to wait. And that's just from eating one mushroom, too, I'm assuming. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. – it's not like you have to eat a bunch. It's just one. Right. They There was an LD50, but mm-hmm. it was something that was like a nano amount for a rat. Jeez. Um, so to me, that implies that it's you don't need to eat a lot no. to f- start feeling something, to, to at least start feeling cy- cytolysis right. of yourself. Oof. Other symptoms include jaundice, seizures, kidney failure, and coma. Hmm. According to Wikipedia, death generally occurs six to sixteen days after poisoning. Jeez. We're going. We're going to assume if you're fully untreated, right? Right. That's where it can go. Mm-hmm. The good news is that obviously, with advances in medical care, mortality rates have fallen since the 1980s. Most poisonings are still in Europe because that's where they're native to. Yeah. Just like with a lot of poisons we talk about, they are crazy intense when it comes to the damage that they do to your cell and your body. But I think the threat of death is not so likely mm-hmm. in this day and age. Yeah, As long as you are able to catch that you're feeling symptoms within six that six to 12 hour window, I think the outcome is always going to be better. Yeah. So- Here's the initial, here's the treatment. Initial stages of treatment include activated carbon or a gastric lavage, you know, pumping mm-hmm. the stomach. Though a lot of what I've read, um, it seems like doctors agree that because of that large window where people don't realize that they've been poisoned, while those are good steps to take, they usually, they might not have the most impact mm-hmm. because you've already fully digested Yeah, that's it, right? true. Yeah. Activated carbon and gastric lavage are very ideal if you've recognized like, oh, I ate a death cap and I need to get this out of me right away. Mm -hmm. After that, patients are treated for dehydration because you're you're experiencing a lot of vomiting, diarrhea, you have a lot of loss of fluids. So you're hooked up to an IV. There is no direct antidote, though penicillin G and silibinin that's S-I-L-I-B-I-N-I-N, mm. which is an extract from the blessed milk thistle, maybe something we can research later, have both demonstrated promising results if they're introduced intravenously. So those are two potential antidotes huh. that have been researched, mm-hmm. but not fully proven because they, they don't know the method of action, why they have the effect that they do on poison victims of death caps yeah. or of alpha amanitin. Huh. But those were listed. Cool. That's it. Lovely. <laughs> That's it. I wanted to. I wanted to end on famous deaths or uh, notable deaths via death cap. Oh shit! But the names that pop up the most are Roman Emperor Claudius. Okay. From AD fifty four <laughs> and Holy Roman Emperor Charles Charles the sixth in seventeen forty. Dang! It is theorized that they were both possibly assassinated or mistakenly ate them for dinner or something. Oh so. my gosh. They clearly didn't have their royal poison or whatever, like the royal taste in town. They should know better from just being Roman emperors <laughs> in general. Exactly. Just being Roman, being yeah. royal. Yeah. 
That's the death cat bite. Love it. Love it. Nice, short and sweet, a good education. Mm -hmm. Very lovely. This could be sort of part of my antidote. But this weekend, Dave and I went to something called the Spice Gardens. It's like it's in like the other part of the island called Bati Ferengi, which is like where all the resorts are. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we haven't even been over there. It's like a whole different part of the island. So we drove there. Beautiful. Um, and there's a spice garden there, like I said. But it's like a jungle. Like it's basically just a part of the jungle that they just conserved. And we saw, I think, a monitor lizard, like just like walking yes. along. And I was Doing like, we like heard something yeah. just like crunching the leaves down. And I was like, what yeah. is that? And then I saw like <laughs> I saw the lizard. And I did. I have to admit, I ran all the all the way back down. I was like, I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was very, yeah. very cool. Anyways, that's all to say. There was a that's poison right. garden in this jungle. So we went up and looked at all the poison gardens. They had a very nice little visual. And a lot of them were obviously – a lot of it is um, natural herbs and plants that are found all around Asia, like Asia and Africa. Mm -hmm. And most mm -hmm. of them were antidotes for – venomous snakes and for like poisonings like mushroom mushroom poisonings and things like that Ooh, so I'd, I'd be curious cool. to know if any of those actually work yeah there's so much in herbal medicine i know I don't know anything about and i'm sure there's a wealth wealth oh, of yeah. stuff that a lot have been antidotes for a long time in yeah. in villages or completely you know. i mean they have to so. more so like the venomous snake part because asia is full mm. of them like you have to have some stuff yeah. to know like how to treat that otherwise you're you're just going to die. You're just going to die. You're done. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. That is life. <laughs> That's cool. I'm so excited that you finally got to see a monitor lizard. Yeah. They are really rad. My antidote is that I went to a death metal concert. <laughs> it was my first time ever. <laughs> metal slash death metal musicianship is some of the most world-class musicianship you can find. A lot of them are classically trained. Mm -hmm. So I went because I was like, I might as well have this experience. And it was a great experience. The band that I saw was the original band no longer exists because their frontman passed away. Okay. But it's death. Like the, the band is called death. Mm -hmm. And the original members have their own projects slash bands Got that it. have become very successful on their own. Mm -hmm. But they're doing this tour as death to all. Yeah. That their, that's their like <laughs> tour name. Yeah. So that's who I saw. And it was really really rad cool they were really cool that is that is that's super it. cool that was my experience love it <laughs> Lo cheers to new experiences yeah. always yep all right let me say it with let me say it with conviction Gusto. don't risk it for that death cap this that's right that's right. right especially in golden gate park but everywhere too yeah <laughs> don't go foraging out in don't the don't do it mm -hmm.